0: Hello folks, this is the Nick Knack Podcast. I'm Nick Knack, I'm a queer and autistic non-binary woman with a variety of deep interests. This podcast is a kind of audio blog where I share my views and life in pursuit of greater engagement, connection, and occasionally that good old emotional relief. This will be season 15, episode 61, entitled, Actual Better Help? As I've been waking, making my way past the stress gates lately. I've been trying, 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 trying to sort out why the help that society offers so often fails to be as helpful as one would want it to be. For this episode, I've invited my partner and Love of My Life, Vinny, on board to kind of reconnect and share their thoughts, and I invite you to grab a beverage and join the musings here and if you feel so inclined be sure to head to nicknackpod.net to find out how you can support the show and also to leave your feedback. honey. Welcome back to this little silly little podcast. Thank you for coming back. You're welcome. So my first question for you, slightly off the main topic, but I want to explore it. Is it still euphoria?
1: Yes, 100%.
0: (laughs) Cool, cool. And it's still euphoria from mine too. It's been... A rough ride at times because we've had a lot of stress in our lives. And that's kind of what got me thinking about the episode topic idea. Uh, we're both on the spectrum. We're both uh, susceptible to a great deal of stress. I was wondering, in your experience, when you, when you go to get help dealing with stress or anxiety, whether it be, you know, leaving the house or whether it be... Um, you know, dealing with some big stressful event, like how how have you found it, you know, in terms of it being helpful?
1: I feel that it's pretty inadequate at times because um, the help that is suggested, like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, also the sort of self-talk that you need to participate in to get yourself to a functioning level was very clearly meant for neurotypicals. And since I'm not a neurotypical and neither are you, the sorts of methods that that would uh, ordinarily help someone with anxiety does not work for us because our brains are different and the way we perceive the world is different.
0: Yeah, I I was really, we were talking about this on the phone and you said something to that effect. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, honey, you've hit the nail squarely on the head because so much of the the CBT stuff. I know for me, like, I've been dealing with my, quote unquote, stress gates and stuff. Um, And I was in a session on Monday and... I was trying to describe to my therapist beforehand. Look, I, I've tried like the CBT stuff, you know, evidence testing, that sort of thing before. And I get lost in the evidence testing like I, I get lost in the in the. um. Oh, what would they call that? They would call that. Catastrophication or catastrophization or whatever, when you were coming back on the train. And um, my, my, my poor, poor partner here had to endure a, a very, very long Amtrak train ride in which there was a tree that fell on the tracks and they were delayed in Klamath Falls for hours. And there is spotty self-service <laughs> on this rail line and as much as we both of us love the coast starlight at the time at times it can be very frustrating when there's spotty cell service and you can't reach your partner so like times like that for me i'm catastrophizing you know what if the train derailed what if there was a rock slide what if the three sisters went off you know <laughs> oh
1: my goodness yes and it um I don't know. Uh, for me, I can I can sort of describe that as um, if anybody has had a pet hamster, you know very well how they just get on that little wheel and they run and they run and they basically don't stop until they're too exhausted to run anymore. It's like my brain does that over and over with the same, uh, the same thoughts. Yeah. Or, yes, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it just goes, Oh my god, did the hamster wheel, that's the perfect metaphor, sweetie. Like that that that's it. And um I first ran into this after the the big earthquake in San Francisco in eighty nine after seeing news footage of that. I don't I think my aunt who uh, who lived in San Francisco for a good portion of her younger life had, had Was living in London at the time, Um, so wasn't there. But still, like because I knew San Francisco, and because I suddenly had this new, real, radical realization that earthquakes were big and scary, I just like would spend all night, as five, six, seven years old, um, with my little nightlight on, listening to the radio, worried about hearing news of bad, bad news about earthquakes. Like and and it is literally a hamster wheel. Like it goes round and round and round, and you cannot stop it. And I I guess I'm lucky, and we're we're both lucky in that many of the stressors that we're, we face these days are, you know, like like they're chronic, but they ebb and flow. You know, it's like okay. Today we have to get out of the house, or today we have to go to the doctor's appointment, or today we have to do whatever it might be. And and as long as we're there to support each other, we can kind of push ourselves through. But the whole thing of let's do a detailed worksheet and analyze, <laughs> analyze how rational or irrational our fears might be. It just it, it gets me nowhere, and it's so frustrating. And i I think I, I i think it would be really helpful if more autistic people were actually in mental health or or otherwise neurodivergent people.
1: I think so too, but I also worry that it might add another challenge or another stressor to the lives that we lead, um, because as you know. Some therapy sessions can get really intense, and I don't understand uh, how therapists uh, cleanse themselves or don't take their work home with them. Or, I mean, uh, I've had a couple therapists literally cry after um, I've told them some of my life story because it affected them so much, and and I'm sitting there just stoic and just watching them cry and like not really understanding how are they you know am I supposed it's not my job to make them feel better or whatever but like how yeah. would how is that uh, Im- impact going to um, affect them and in, in their further workings with me
0: and and also anybody else yeah, that's a good question i I, I don't know how. I mean, I, I worked very briefly at a warm line, and um, there were some hard hard things. I heard some very hard things on a day-to-day level. And I can tell you that when my mood was good, when when things were okay with me, I could kind of have a separation between self and um whoever was on the other line um but i think you bring up a good point there honey like the problem with like uh the, the the peer thing is you need really good training um in your you know whether you're doing a warm line or whether you're doing a you're you're an actual therapist or whatever you need a really good training in uh separation in resiliency um I don't think I've ever had that experience you describe of having a, a therapist um, become emotional when I was not. But knowing as much about you as I do, I can understand why they would have that that reaction. And um, and I can also speak to to your point in that when I was briefly working more online, I I I felt ill prepared to deal with some of the emotional heaviness that we had to deal with so I, I think I I mean maybe maybe it's the solution is just somehow get better training I don't know what are, what are your thoughts I'm rambling here yeah
1: um I think better training is is a must for anyone who is in in any sort of healthcare, uh dealing with people on the spectrum and also uh, neuro, neurotypicals, because uh, healthcare, especially in the United States, is not great. I know you've expounded on this at length in in some past episodes, but yeah, coming from the United States as we do, uh, that just there's a lot of things that people in other countries don't really understand because. They, they have great health care and governments that care about them, and it really sucks. I mean, it just, um, yeah, I'm sorry, but it does. It,
0: uh, no, no, you speak the truth, and I, I, I don't think we should have to apologize for speaking the truth, because it's, it's, it could be so much better if somebody just tried if somebody, somebody, somewhere just tried. Um, For instance, my, my county behavioral health clinic here in Northern California, it's the only place you can go if you don't have fancy insurance. And they're seeing patients like once a month because they don't have the staffing levels that they need. And on top of that, they're still, they've got this whole, have you heard of, The wellness recovery action plan thing, hun? I have not. Okay. I'm going to give a very biased view on this, so please, listeners, look this up for yourself. Um, This is kind of my perception of it. It's kind of taking mental health treatment and putting it on a road that might be similar to addiction recovery in kind of a just kind of in, way, in ways of thinking about it. So it's like, you know, make a plan and write things out. And, you know, there's there's some good stuff in there, but it, it feels like... It feels like they're not taking seriously enough the internal experience. Because, you know, as, as we pointed out, like, only, only somebody on the spectrum like you or I or anybody else on the spectrum out there listening would know how hard it is to leave the house when you just don't feel like leaving the house. Or if, you know, you're, you're borderline per, you have a borderline personality like, like I suspect we both do, like nobody else is going to understand how hard it is to trust that someone's not going to up and leave you or up and Betray you or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like, if you don't have these lived experiences, it's so hard to empathize with, with people that are having these experiences. Like, I I, I guess I'll try and provide a concrete example. Um, I had a friend once with schizophrenia and I read up on schizophrenia from kind of a textbook perspective. I tried to understand it. I tried to, um, be empathetic and, and help, help this person with, with some of the experiences that they were having. Um, but it was, it was really a lot. It was really hard for me to be there and be empathetic towards them because I did not have that lived experience. That's the best concrete example I could possibly think of.
1: Yeah, it's so hard to um, try to understand where someone else is coming from if you're not them. And it's hard to um, also be compassionate when you don't know what's going on with them. And also you don't want to trigger them in any way or re-traumatize them by making them tell you their life story so that you can get a, a little bit of an understanding about where they might be coming from. And it's we're all just humans, and we're all just trying our best, and I guess that's all we can really do.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, but I really do want to emphasize the power, um, that being empathetic and being well-connected and being emotionally available can, can have, because I don't know about you, honey, but these have been a really stressful couple months for me and um you know just with the you know, the annual paperwork shuffle, thank goodness past the housing inspection, still waiting on the disability review, etc. But um through all of this, through every challenge that's come up, um having you in my life has has you know, even if we don't always know the right words to say to each other it's 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 been so helpful to have to to have someone that authentically cares there in my corner has has been really helpful for me so thank you i love you
1: i love you too and you're welcome it's been helpful for me too um just because you remind me to do stuff like breathe which is something i don't often remember uh to do, and that's also one of the things that they tell you in therapy is breathe, and you know, taking a breath really helps, uh, or taking several breaths really helps. Uh, meditation helps. I'm going to list some things that actually worked for me when I remember to do them or when I have the spoons to do them. Meditation helps. Sleep helps a lot if you are really just really having a meltdown or or about to meltdown, and you can you have uh, you're in a safe place and and you're able to go take a nap. Uh, it, that really helps. Also, just call or or text someone. Any Like one of your friends who you trust or your partner, um, having somebody else to listen and validate your feelings. And even if you're not receptive to any suggestions that they might give at the time, just knowing that you've got this off your chest and somebody else cares about you and has listened to you, lifts a lot of the burden off
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I can't stress enough the, um, I've always had trouble with meditation, but the value of, um, of taking a deep breath and trying to focus, trying to let the world slow down, like that's huge. And, um, the value of sleep is huge. Uh, so many times, I mean, you, you could probably count count them on multiple hands by now sweetie like so many times I've told you okay I can't handle it anymore I'm going to sleep
1: <laughs> yes also uh making sure that your your needs are met uh we're both gamers and and we also have the same experience of having played the Sims uh there's little needs that this, you have to fill for the Sims so like with uh, with us thinking about our needs, okay, have we eaten, do we need to take care of anything else bodily-wise, have we, is there any pain or anything that we could uh, take care of with an ibuprofen or whatever you take for pain, Uh, getting those, that little chunk of needs met first and then seeing what else would make things better uh, often helps as well. Just sometimes, cause sometimes I forget to eat and breathe and, and it's a simple, and so it's a simple thing of first you reminded me to breathe. And then I realize, Oh, I haven't eaten anything today. Then eating something, uh, drinking something warm. My beverage of choice is coffee. Uh, and then taking a nap after we've talked about whatever, uh, has been bothering me really, really, really helps. And then I wake up and I feel like I'm a better person. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In fact, I think we we did that today. Cause we both had really stressful days and we both just passed out and took a nap after talking a little bit. And here we are recording this podcast. So I'd say it works pretty darn well. It did. hun. Um, you had an idea that you wanted to share because you've been getting into some sim games. Do you want to like share your idea for for what we might be able to do here in the future?
1: Yes, I think we should do uh, a sim podcast together. You already have your FS ride-alongs, and it seems that many people enjoy those. But you said you wanted to branch out into other sim games, and... I've been having a craving for the Sims as well and have been enjoying a particular Sim game called American Truck Simulator. And I've been wanting to talk about that, my experiences with that as as not only um, a person on the spectrum, but also a person who has never driven a vehicle of any sort and a person with visual impairments. Uh, Driving in that game is really a challenge. And uh, sometimes I stream the game, and that might be something we could do for patrons. Uh, They can join in on a stream of me recklessly driving across America. (laughs) <laughs>
0: and, Reckless um, across America, coming to a Twitch stream near you sometime soon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so, we were thinking of of doing a podcast talking about the other sim games that we play. Yeah, um, because FS Ride Along seems fine just for flight sim. Uh, you have three very different flight sim games and I've tried to get into at least one of the clients and it hasn't been going so well for me, but I have really, um, fell in love with this other game and it, as it is a sim, I would like to talk about it and also talk about my, my past experiences with the sims, uh, and maybe get back into actually playing The Sims instead of just downloading mods and custom content and never opening the game.
0: Yes, which which for those of you keeping score was pretty much, I'd, I'd, I'd say uh, but what Vinny spent maybe 60% of their gaming time doing while they were visiting me here in Chico a couple of weeks ago. They, just, they were just like, we're downloading mods! Are you going to install and play the game, honey? No, no, we're downloading mods.
1: (laughs) Well, to be fair, there is so much custom content and people are so creative across all of the sim communities. I'm just blown away by by the, the sheer amount of things and awesome things that people have been able to come up with. And I... Used to be a custom content creator myself. Admittedly, it, it was just recolors of Sims Two furniture and clothing that Maxis had made, and uh, rest in peace, Maxis. Um, but yeah, I I, um, I was sort of into that, and so I know uh, a little bit about that side of it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, you you are. You are one smart cookie, and you are um, a very experienced gamer. I'm really interested uh, to see if I can rope you into doing an FS read Along and talking about your experience with Microsoft Flight Simulator and trying to map that darn controller.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I, I will keep plugging away at it. I think I have some settings that might finally work. I just need to get the spoons and the motivation to... To brave that uh, game again after my disastrous crash.
0: <laughs> R.I.P., Vinny.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Although you've had so many crashes in the trucks.
1: Well, at least um, I could repair my truck.
0: And yeah, that's the game true. didn't
1: exactly end after I crashed my truck so
0: yeah yeah that's that's the problem with flying right you, you, you make one little one little woo-woo and suddenly you're a crater in the side of a mountain <laughs> <laughs> all right and
1: also the the trucks are very sturdy so it's not that bad <laughs> yes
0: yes aye, aye, aye. They, they're, they're, i yeah they're there i we we could go deeper into this but um i briefly went in went to a truck driving school, and um, much as I love my partner, watching them operate these vehicles sometimes is kind of (laughs) painful.
1: Meanwhile, I'm having the time of my life because I basically turned American Truck Simulation into Grand Theft Auto.
0: Yes. Alright, well, I think that's probably... um, going to do it for now. I love you so much, sweetie. Thank you so much for coming back on, and I'm glad it's still euphoria. It's still euphoria from here, too. All the schools shitting at fools who believe what they read and believe what they see.
1: Drugging you.
0: I want to remind listeners that if you want to support my work you can leave a review in the podcast app of your choice or check out my paypal and patreon available at knickknackpod.net your help is greatly appreciated particularly as i try and get to move across country to be with my partner benny here my partner and beyonce i might add Um, The music is Raindrop Rhapsody by Josh Elkenberry, The Fool's Guide by Anthony Rituno, and of course, Catch Me If You Can by Attica Attica. If you enjoy this music, please support these artists by buying their work or making donations. Links are available on knickknackpod.net. My thanks to the patrons I have, and reminder that the Knickknack Podcast and FS Run Along series is copyright 2006 through 2022 by the Knickknack Podcast Network and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 4.0 International License. Thank you so much for listening. May you find the safety and support you need to empower you and meet your needs. Till next time, stay safe, stay sane, happy railroading, happy landings, bye.